Well, hey, this is your old friend Bill. Whenever I find myself in Davis, I'm busy putting the fun in fundraising. But when I'm not, I always listen to KDVS 90.3 FM. And you should, too. Go Aggies! This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We uh, are pleased to announce the return after a long hiatus of uh, one of our favorite investigative journalists, Greg Pallast, will be talking to us in our second segment today about his latest book, Armed Madhouse. We expect it will uh, soon hit the bestseller lists across the United States. And I gotta say, we've been looking forward to speaking to Greg since election 2004, when two days after that event, he published on TomPaine.com an essay titled, Carry One. In our second segment, we'll see how well he can defend his position in that essay and inform us about some of the other things He's been probing. All right, on this date in history, which is May 25th in 1944, Nazi Germany launched Operation Knight's Move, an attempt to seize Yugoslav partisan leader Marshal Tito. Tito escaped a massive invasion by Nazi parachute drops and glider troops. After World War II, Tito oversaw the stitching together of a Republic of Yugoslavia, which uh, at this stage in the game is breaking up into seven separate entities, uh, one of which declared independence earlier this week. That would be Montenegro. We'll talk a little bit about that, I hope, um, in our third segment. On this date in 1946, King Abdullah ibn ul-Hussein is proclaimed the new monarch as Transjordan. Now Jordan became a kingdom. It is a little recognized fact in the West that the kingdoms uh, of Iraq and Transjordan were uh, given Saudi monarchs as the uh, great powers carved up the Middle East in the wake of World War I. And uh, for the next item, we need a little bit of uh, appropriate music, Mr. McMillan. Yes, it was on this date in 1977 that the American space fantasy movie Star Wars, destined to become one of the most popular movies of all time, opened. And as it turns out, on this same date in 1977, May 25th, the Chinese Communist government lifted a decade-old ban on the writings of William Shakespeare which provided more evidence that the country's cultural revolution was finally over. Although we failed to note it on this program, the cultural revolution began 40 years ago last week on May 16, 1966, where to the outside world it appeared that Mao's uh, China had gone completely nuts. 
The Economist magazine noted that to outsiders, there was something faintly comical about China's cultural revolution, which started 40 years ago and only ended with the fall of the Gang of Four 10 years later. The struggle sessions, the self-criticisms, the absurdly elongated dunce caps, the masked hands waving Chairman Mao's little black book, the rampaging red guards, with hindsight, all seemed to be more farce than tragedy. But the magazine noted that to anyone who had to live through it, there was nothing remotely amusing about China's lost decade. Hundreds of thousands of people were murdered. Hundreds of millions have had their lives shattered. Neighbors informed on one another. Children betrayed their parents. And the machinery of government was destroyed. An entire generation learned to trust no one with consequences that mark China today. We should note that China, rapidly becoming our number one uh, trade partner, uh, still cannot address what happened with this cultural revolution. By blaming the Gang of Four, the government that, uh, that took over in, in the wake of Chairman Mao when he passed on, uh, were able to obliquely criticize him. In other words, criticize the four people that did his bidding during the cultural revolution. But to criticize Mao uh, is even now something that's very difficult for the government to do. The Communist Party in China uh, doesn't really allow examination or criticism of its mistakes. It is curious to note that in March, a government panel in China recommended that the face of Chairman Mao uh, disappear from the Chinese yuan. The government panel recommended that the next generation of banknotes feature pictures of Deng Xiaoping, the communist economic reformer, and Sun Yat-sen, the revolutionary who toppled the last Chinese emperor. It was Deng who was largely responsible for the dismantling of Mao's cult of personality. He ordered an end to the mass production of Mao paraphernalia. Deng may be the more appropriate figure to represent money anyway, it was noted, as he was the one who said, to be rich is glorious. Our quote of the day comes from Tom Wolfe, who once said, a cult is a religion with no political power. That is something that certainly cannot be said about Chairman Mao's cult of personality. Our statistic of the day from the Los Angeles Times, $30 worth of raw popcorn can generate $3,000 in sales at a movie theater concession stand. This will come as no surprise to, any, to anyone who's bought a box or bag of popcorn in a movie theater any time in the last couple decades. Where it appears that uh, two cents worth of corn can certainly generate five or six dollar price tags on uh, the popcorn you're sold. We noted on last week's show that, uh, that the U.S. Border Patrol agents are now being beefed up with the National Guard along the Mexican border. And I think we mentioned a, a photograph that was on the web showing one, two, three, four, five customs agents ri riding all-terrain vehicles spaced, it looks, about 10 feet apart, which I presume will stop any illegal immigrants from darting between the vehicles in effort to find work here in the United States. Our humor of the day comes from our good friend Tom Burka at Opinions You Should Have, who noted in the wake of the National Guard being sent to guard the border the following. The National Guard, hard-pressed to keep up with its many duties at Iraq and at home, has decided to guard the U.S.-Mexico border with illegal immigrants it enlists as they come across the border. We see it as a very special guest worker program, explained Guard Commander Sergeant Leon Rocknard. Rocknard conceived of the plan when he learned that President Bush wanted the Guard not to perform any law enforcement operations while 
quote, guarding, unquote, the border. He further justified his decision by insisting that guarding the border was one of those jobs Americans want done, but don't want to do it themselves. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for miracles after police came to arrest a wheelchair-bound Los Angeles woman on charges she had filed several bogus personal injury lawsuits. The woman, Laura Lee Medley, age 35, jumped out of her chair and tried to run down the street. The magazine judged it conversely a bad week for choice of words after presidential advisor Karl Rove claimed that the Bush administration was doing, quote, a heck of a job, unquote, on illegal immigration. And for those of you who don't remember, President Bush said to uh, Michael Brown, FEMA director in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. And it was an ugly week last week for alleged gender discrimination after a California man sued the Los Angeles Angels baseball team for gender and age discrimination because he wasn't given a free red tote bag at a Mother's Day game. Michael Cohn's class action suit seeks $4,000 for every man and person younger than 18 who attended the game last year, none of whom were issued tote bags. Yes, there's just something wrong with a country that doesn't recognize three-year-old boys as possible mothers and worthy of Mother's Day gifts at baseball games, don't you think? All right, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, Al Gore is back in the news, um, apparently giving a speech on Saturday Night Live, pretending that he was elected in 2000 and uh, uh, giving us a glimpse of the alternate universe that a Gore administration might have been, including the following. There have been some setbacks. Unfortunately, the confirmation process for Supreme Court Justice Michael Moore was bitter and divisive. However, I could not be more proud of how the House and Senate pulled together to confirm the nomination of Chief Justice George Clooney. Gore went on, Baseball, our national pastime, still lies under the shadow of steroid accusations. But I have faith in baseball commissioner George W. Bush when he says, We will find the steroid users if we have to tap every phone in America. You know, according to people that know Al Gore, in person, he's actually a very funny guy. You know, I think if he could have been able to convey that to the public uh, six years ago, uh, they wouldn't have been able to steal the election in Florida. But uh, speaking of that, someone asked Gore uh, in, in, in last week's New York Magazine, does he, like many Democrats, think the election was stolen? Gore paused for a long time, stared into the middle distance and said, there may come a time when I speak on that. But it's not now. I need more time to frame it carefully if I do. Gore then sighed and said, In our system, there's no intermediate step between a definitive Supreme Court decision and violent revolution. 
interesting words from the former vice president, uh, indicating that perhaps, uh, in his mind, contesting the election in 2000 could have led to bloodshed and uprisings. Um, interesting thought, isn't it? And a blast from the much deeper past, uh, from, the, from the state of Michigan, the FBI has been on a farm trying to dig up Jimmy Hoffa. Yes, the former uh, leading uh, light of the Teamsters Union and one of the most powerful labor leaders in the United States, who suddenly went missing in the summer of 1975, uh, has been a mystery now for 31 years. Hoffa was scheduled to meet with uh, several chiefs of the mafia on the day he disappeared, all of whom that day seemed to have airtight alibis. I'll just say this, 31 years later, and the FBI still can't find the body of the nation's number one labor leader, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence about uh, protection from our national intelligence agency in charge of domestic operations. As follow-up on last week's program, we should note uh, that uh, the B reports this week, good vibes on an, a plan to replace the Arco Arena. Backers of sales tax measures met with staffers from five local cities to get feedback. As we mentioned in last week's program, of course, uh, uh, none of these planners want to let the cat out of the bag prematurely till they have, uh, you know, uh, a consensus on how to proceed since the public seems to be so adamantly opposed to using tax dollars to fund a stadium for billionaires. The B noted that uh, Chris Holbin is a spokesman for the new arena effort. His services are on loan from Art Savage, who is the chief executive officer of the River Cats baseball team. Savage and River Cats executive vice president Warren Smith have been donating their time to try and forge a deal for a new arena. Hmm, let's see. You own a local baseball team, and boy, you think public funding of a new arena would be a really good thing for you, too. We intend to keep on that story like uh, white on rice. Stay tuned. How about this item from the San Francisco Chronicle? Offshore drilling bid fails in-house. Bipartisan opposition from coastal states foils move to end ban on offshore oil rigs. Dateline Washington. The House narrowly beat back an effort Thursday to end the 25-year moratorium on oil and gas drilling off much of the nation's coasts. According to the Chronicle, the next action is likely to take place in the House Resources Committee, chaired by Tracy Republican Representative Richard Pombo, who plans to move forward this summer with a plan to allow states to opt out of the federal moratorium. We hope you noted in the B uh, on Monday that Richard Pombo is somewhat on the defensive, thanks to a challenge by Yolo County resident Pete McCloskey, whom we spoke to on this program a couple of months ago. Pombo has been touched by the uh, Jack Abramoff and other scandals currently raging through Republican ranks. He uh, spoke to an audience in Tracy and said, I'll say this to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors, to my three kids. I never broke any rules in the House. I never broke any laws. All I've done is fight for the things that I believe in, and that's all I will continue to do. Of course, one of the things Pombo believes in is the, uh, the rewriting of the Endangered Species Act. Pete McCloskey co-authored that bill. That's why he's challenging Richard Pombo in the 11th District. We hope to bring uh, former Congressman McCloskey on the program next week for our biannual pre-election special. Dick Cheney was in town this week to try and shore up the, uh, the chances of John Doolittle, Richard Pombo, and others. Uh, this election is seen as crucial to the Bush legacy. 
as the Bush-Cheney administration is currently confronting the worst poll numbers seen in the West Wing since George Herbert Walker Bush went down to defeat in 1992. And we have to wonder what's going on over at the opinion pages of the Sacramento Bee. We mentioned last week their, their expression of the, uh, the notion that, you know, if Phil Angelides would just stand up to the people who are backing him in his run for governor, he could be a pretty good governor. This week, the Bee noted that uh, with the Delta in danger, uh, uh, so many possible dangers of, of invasion of, of uh, foreign fish species, of uh, crumbling of the uh, levees, of water diversions, they noted that the peripheral canal is an intriguing alternative. The idea is to pump some, note the keyword some, of this water from upstream on the Sacramento River and to convey that water around the brackish Delta to the existing aqueduct systems. Yes, the bee apparently thinks you can improve the brackish water conditions in the delta by removing more water upstream. I think at this point someone needs to check the drinking water supply that's being piped to the bee offices and see if we can find some contaminants. At any rate... Let's take a break. We'll be joined in the second segment, as promised, by Greg Palace. This is going to be fun. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. <laughs> 